You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 67 and 68 of our Bible Through the Year program. It's pretty fun. It is fun. We are in the weeds of Leviticus, chapter 17 through 20, and... Once again, if there are little ears listening to this, you may want them to not <clears throat> listen. Yeah, it seems like the Old Testament and uh, the old regulations from God for the priest is very contemporary in its <laughs> dealings with sexuality and such. So that's your warning. Um, but what what we're doing here, too, is at least this time reading through the Bible, is connecting for for you and connecting for ourselves how beautifully woven together the Old Testament is with the New Testament. It's mm-hmm. pretty amazing. Yes. And so uh, that's what we're in Leviticus right now. Let's, <clears throat> we'll show you how that happens. So uh, we get to the place of sacrifice. Yeah. God sets up and just flat out says... You cannot do any of these sacrifices outside of the tabernacle, outside of the, the place I've set up for this. It's totally offensive and a capital crime. Like if you kill an animal this way, anywhere else, mm-hmm. it's wrong to yes. do this. <clears throat> Which at first might seem like, why, you know, why can't we just sacrifice a goat here in our front yard? And uh, for good luck or for, you know, we've sinned or well, for whatever reason. And why can't they, Matt? What's the Bible say? Uh, what the Bible says. Well, uh, I mean, the whole idea is to be in community with God. Right. And to do it on your own is basically to do it on your own. You're trying to get forgiveness on your own strength apart from God. Mm-hmm. and outside of his very clear instructions and being like, if you're going to have a relationship with me, you have to do it in my house with my priests in these circumstances. Right. And if you don't do it that way, you are cut off from the community. That's, to me, it was, it's <clears throat> a lot like a marriage, and that's kind of the theme I'll see yeah. through these, chap- these four chapters, 17 through 20, where God is saying exactly, like, to get forgiveness, to... And remember, forgiveness is the way we get cleansed to be with God. So to be with me, this is where I am, and this is how you prepare to be with me. And it's a great honor, and it's great. I wanna, I'm honored that you would meet with me, says God, and you mm-hmm. should be honored that God would meet with you. But if you start acting like the pagans around you and sacrificing and shedding blood on earth to bless the earth or to bless yourself or to try to get forgiveness any other way apart from the way God has said... It's, it's the same thing in a marriage. Like, if you're trying to, if my wife is trying to connect to me, ask for forgiveness or talk to me through another woman mm-hmm. or anywhere else <clears throat> other than with me, it's, it's not helping the relationship. It's right. actually, we're starting to draw apart from each other. And that's why God is very clear. You only sacrifice in the tabernacle. That's where God is. There is only, and let's be clear, even from the Old Testament, there is only one way to God. Yes. And that's what these, these chapters, in fact, in, uh, as you work your way through 17, he'll even talk about garments not being woven together with different kind of uh, yarn and cloth. I think that was in that's 17, <clears throat> but, maybe. Uh, or maybe not. I, I can't remember now, but 
But the idea is, there is no ambiguity. Like you come to God the way He says, "Come to me," mm-hmm. because He is a He is like the sun over the earth. He is a force to be reckoned with, and you have to approach it carefully and yeah. with reverence and with awe. Otherwise, it will consume you. And so, God loves you, and it's just interesting. So there is not like many ways to God. At least not in the Bible. There is one way. Mm-hmm. And here's the place of sacrifice. And we know in the New Testament, <clears throat> Jesus is the place of sacrifice. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, <clears throat> I just want, like, the way these chapters are coordinated, because otherwise when you're reading these, you just think, like, they're kind of just randomly placed. Right. But the theme is, you are bound to God and God alone. Yeah. And it's very much like a marriage. And so idolatry is always um, correlated to um, adultery. Right. And so he has a very clear, like, this is how you do it. This is how it's, this is how this relationship is going to be maintained. And then he then goes into talking about sexual immorality and unlawful sexual relations, which now makes sense because he's talking about, like, these are how the other nations worship, and this is not going to be... Right. allowed in this in my community and he talks about uh, mm. so it says here's the place of sacrifice and mm-hmm. here's what the deal with the blood is right all the nations around you will be eating blood being drenched in blood because everyone knows naturally the blood carries life like as long as there's blood <clears throat> pumping and flowing in a creature it lives mm-hmm. and so you you know you would it's the old guy taking a bite out of the heart of something he kills to get its power and right. life. And God is very clear at the second part of chapter 17, we don't use blood that way. Right. We do not use it that way. A blood <clears throat> does atone for your sin. There is life in blood, but God will, uh, we, we appropriate it to the, in the ways that God says to do it. We don't. Yeah, we give it to God. We give it to God. Honestly, we put it on the things of God mm-hmm. and God then gives us life right. because God created that lifeblood. And so there's rules about eating blood, about shedding blood, a um, lot to do about blood, right? Yeah, right. The blood, and he quite literally just says, the blood atones for your sins. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's in the, the last thought for chapter 17 for me is God does respect all of life. Like he holds us accountable. If we shed blood wrongly, like we're held accountable <clears throat> for it. So yeah. we're not some kind of barbaric religion where... We sacrifice on this altar, and then we just kill everything else, everywhere mm-hmm. else. It's like, no, no, no. This is a very specific place and time for, for killing for the purpose of atonement. But if you're not in the ta- tabernacle doing this, it's a crime, and mm-hmm. you will be held responsible because God loves life. Right. All right. Well, then it does go into chapter 18, which is very much connected. So place of sacrifice, the blood that atones for your sin, and now the relationship is not uh, is going to be one of faithfulness mm-hmm. and not sexual promiscuity or mm-hmm. um, or using sex to manipulate God. So like, and we've said this before, but uh, in all the religions, most religions and of that day and for a long time, even now, some uh, will manipulate the gods by recreating sexual acts, being fertile. And then manipulating the God to be fertile on the earth. Mm-hmm. So like if you can get them to be fertile, you'll be blessed. And so sex, all kinds of sexual things are used in worship, right. and which fulfills the <clears throat> lust of humanity, 
but also uh, it confuses healthy sexual relationships, healthy um, communion between a man and woman, you know, in marriage, healthy relationship to God. It perverts and confuses everything. And so God doesn't want us to be confused about it. And it destroys family oh, man. and community. Yeah. It destroys family, community, and even and back then <clears throat> the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so that's why in chapter eighteen, it's very, very specific. Yes, he, yeah, it gets, no confusion. Um, and w- without going into any of it, like, well, he starts with, with Egypt. Like you left yeah. Egypt, they used it. Mm-hmm. They used sexual stuff in worship. And now you're, you're not, going to Canaan. And they use sex in worship. And. And he ties it to the land. Right. And he says, the people of Canaan, the land is going to vomit them out because of the sins discussed in chapter 18. Right. They, their sexual uh, immorality has perverted and polluted the land right. to the point that the land is going to reject them. And the word is vomit them up. Yes. And so he very clearly at the end of... 18 is like do not do the same things that these nations have done or else the land will vomit you out as well and you have to realize too that um sex is used or we'll say intimacy intimacy is used to connect people's lives together to Mm -hmm. connect spirits together to create life itself and so the fact that it's perverted and corrupted to be something that's um a manipulative power, not only over gods, but over other people. people or yeah. like, if I, if I engage in this, I might get something out of it to say, mm-hmm. help my life. Mm-hmm. It's a form of idolatry um, it, because you're trying to do the thing you want the gods to do for you. And, and our God is like, man, you guys are not animals. Right. You're not animals. You carry my image. Mm-hmm. And so we don't act animalistic and reduce people to parts and manipulate them for things. And so uh, let's, I don't know if we have to list all of the things that he says don't do, but basically he covers, I'm the Lord. So don't uncover the nakedness of family. I mean, he starts off with family and incest. Mm -hmm. Um, He goes through every kind of possible situation with aunt, uncle, stepsister, uh, stepbrother, mm-hmm. you know, anything. Um, and then it's interesting because he goes through all of that. Um, and then he caps that section with, uh, do not offer your children up to Molech. Right. Because mm-hmm. these types of sexual relationships could produce kids. And again, it's like, they I are still, producing kids. They are producing kids, and God values life. And so he's like, don't then use these kids or have an excuse to use these kids to like get rid of them and right. sacrifice them uh, for your own safety or comfort or convenience. So, so I imagine mm-hmm. the idea is you, you, you're wanting fertility for the land and mm-hmm. for everything, and you're doing this, and it's also mixed in with your own lust, and then you have a baby... And if you don't, you know, then you can give that baby back to the god Molech because he requires it. Yeah. And then that's like good luck for fertility. And uh, and that would be today, our Molech would be... Abortion. Abortion. 
And so abortion, the problem with um, that abortion is solving is the inconvenience of having a child. Right. And I am not ready to take care of it. This will ruin my life. So sacrifice it to Molech and your life will be better. Right. Honestly. That, that is exactly what's being And God says, uh, I'm not a part of that. And <clears throat> he even says in, um, I don't know if it's in chapter 19. Yeah, it's late. It's the next chapter he'll bring back up. If anyone does this, oh yeah, He'll and bring you it know it about it, yeah, and you don't like cut them off from the people, you're cut off from the people. Like this is right. so important that if you don't narc and tell on somebody, you're destroying the fabric of the community because we do not kill babies. Right. Right after Molech, we're uh, offering children up is homosexuality, and then right after homosexuality is bestiality. <clears throat> right. It's just interesting. Yeah, because you're dealing with all the ones that could produce children, and then you go to the ones that can't, can't produce, produce children. children. And again, the the call on God's people is to be fruitful and multiply. Right. And this is these relationships are going against that call. Right. It's just like without getting political or anything like that. Yeah. It's just as simple as you cannot be fruitful and multiply within the nation that God's creating here, and engage in those acts. Yeah, you can't. Um, and so we don't use sex in worship. We don't, and homosexuality is not helpful at all. It's a it's a dead end. And then bestiality is the mixing of uh, clean and unclean. Yeah. And that God made things. Remember, God's holding the world together uh, in a creation order. Mm-hmm. So when things are outside of the order, like for instance, if there's darkness and there's never any light, that's considered a curse. Mm-hmm. And one of God's boundaries is being broken. Yes. And it's not good. Or like when the flood, that was a boundary of God that he let go for a curse. Yeah. And so when we break the boundaries and say, oh, it's of a created order, it's never uh, associated to um, prosperity or no, goodness. No, we're entering into a curse. And remember... Because those boundaries, again, were set up for our protection. Right. Like with They're a set kid. up for life. Right. You put a fence up so your <clears> kid <throat> doesn't get hit by a car. It's not because you're mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's helpful. I think it's helpful to be reading all these things, realizing God has chosen the people. He says, we don't use these in worship. Mm-hmm. And I want to be with you. And the worship is a way for us to be together legitimately because I am holy. Mm-hmm. And uh, then what we notice too is the it's all connected to the land. Right. Because again, we are made to be fruitful and multiply. So fruitful is work the land and multiply. Mm-hmm. And so when we're not um, being fruitful and multiply, we're not working the land. There's like some relationship. I don't have it totally figured out. I think I kind of do, but I don't. Well, if you think about... so. Within the Bible, you have the three characters of God, man, and the land, the earth, creation. And the original hierarchy is God reigns over man, and man caretakes and looks after creation. And that relationship was twisted at the fall and broken because man rebels against God, so then the creation rebels against man. And so that relationship mm-hmm. is broken, but God is restoring that relationship. And so he's like, if you're aligned with me, if you're not rebelling against me, the land will then not rebel against you mm-hmm. and will work with you and produce good things. But the moment you rebel against me, the land's going to rebel against you. Because right. there's an intricate relationship between the three of us. And this is maybe a little bit political <clears throat> so get ready 
But the way God is talking about this is his desire to, to be with us. Mm-hmm. He's not at it. A lot of times the way we approach these subjects are, this is who I am. And, you know, or there's love in these relationships or there's happiness in these relationships. And, and we have to try and figure out if homosexuality is good or bad based on our experience of feeling good, feeling bad, feeling love, who we are. And really, that's not, it has nothing to do with, with what God's saying. You know, it's just, honestly, like God's from, when we look at these things from God's perspective, he's like, I want you to live a life that works and mm-hmm. is full of joy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to um, especially set up that, change all of my created orders so that you can feel good about who you think you are. You right. don't even know who you are because <clears throat> right. you can't know who you are apart from me. Right. So stop trying to grab an identity that is not even yours. And that goes for everybody. I mean, that's all of us. Yeah. Okay. Okay. God provides marriage as a way, I think, then, to protect us from sin and, mm-hmm. and to understand the relationship we have with God. Cool. So then we get into chapter 19, which is really cool um, in light of the New Testament yeah. and uh, some of the things that Jesus says, which is really interesting to know that like it actually gets summed up here in Leviticus oh, yeah. 19. Uh, but early part of 19... It's kind of like a quick recap mm-hmm. of like the 10 words and God telling like, tell everyone, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Right. And again, this idea of you shall be holy because I am holy, it is like God the vine is funding the branches. Right. Like, I'm... <clears throat> if you're connected to me, I am holy, therefore... My holiness is going to be permeated through you. And we're going to produce grapes. Yes. Right. And so that, and he goes, and then I'm showing you how to be whole. I'm walking you through what holiness. this looks like. Right. And we're going to be together yes. in holiness. And then, you know, what was shocking about 19 is it's basically love your neighbor as yourself. It is. He says that. But the... I always thought Jesus was like over, like taking the law to the next level when he said, if you hate your brother. Right, but it says it in no, here. No, he's actually, when Jesus is saying, if you even have anger in your heart towards your brother, you know, you're committing murder, you're, you're yeah. not loving your neighbor. I always thought hyperbole or something, but no, he's actually just doing law. Right. Because it says it clearly <clears throat> here in Leviticus. You can't even hate your brother. If you have hate in your heart or you bear a grudge, mm-hmm. you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. Yes. You got to love... The uh, the sojourner, you gotta love the alien among you. You gotta love your brother. You gotta love. You can't be unjust. Mm-hmm. You can't. And it goes into detail, right? Right. About you can't rip people off. You can't lie in courts. You can't. Like, don't do this stuff. And it gets all summed up in love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Love your neighbor as yourself. In Leviticus. <laughs> and, and in Leviticus too. I mean, he's saying. Um, maybe that's chapter twenty. Yeah. Okay. We'll get. So nineteen is. I think 19 also gets into highlighting like the, um, the materials, like they're slave and free. Um, you don't mix, like I thought yes. there was, avoid uh, spiritual ambiguity. So like we, we love one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's like love your neighbor as yourself. But he talks about, um, oh, like not using your land all for yourself. Mm-hmm. So like you allow some to fall for the poor person, you know? Yeah, that was really cool. Like, 
even the relationship with the land. Yeah. Like when he's like, when you plant new trees, you just let the trees go for three years. Right. You don't, you don't pick any fruit from them. You don't harvest from them. And then on the fourth year, anything that's produced, you give it all over to God, which is feeding the Levites. Right. Then on the fifth year, you give your first yeah. fruits to God, and then you can harvest whatever you want, yeah. and you'll be blessed. I mean, it's a, an amazing, like, it's a restorative relationship. Like, we're not just, like, plundering the land and taking everything we can from it. It's restoring our minds. Like, you're supposed to care for it. You're supposed to care for your neighbors yeah. and use it to bless your neighbors. Don't strip it of everything. Well, and, and after that, I'm realizing now, he says, the Lord is holy. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's telling us how to do that. And then he does, in the end of 19, start to tell us about the fruit, but then about um, like even how to trim your beard. How like This is where it says, don't have tattoos. You know, and again, all of this stuff is having to do with the cults yeah. surrounding them. So marking your bodies to other gods. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to, I don't connect that to the modern day tattoos. Although, you know, people are free too. They can do that. And, and I wouldn't judge you if you, you think it's wrong to have a tattoo. And I'm not judging you if you have one. But it's interesting. It's, it's always connected to uh, worship of some other god. Worship and solving your own problems. Yeah. So you, you mark yourself for reasons yes. to solve your own problems. And that's kind of how it goes. Like, that's why you would go to a, uh, a necromancer or mm-hmm. um, a fortune teller. A medium, because you're trying to get information from the dead. You're trying to... You're circumventing the avenues that God yeah. set up to take care of you and going, cool, that's not enough. I need something else. It, and that's mixed in with manipulating the, the court system. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like, oh, you also will use the court system mm-hmm. to get what you want by unjustly judging people or ripping them off. Right. So, again, he's just making provisions for us to love one another and kind of covering every base because he knows the heart of man. Mm-hmm. And then in chapter 20, that's where it's like, you. we already touched on this with Molech. If anyone <laughs> offers their children, yeah. and, and most likely this is the children that are a result of sexual immorality. Now, if we, we've read the story. So right. as I'm reading each of these now, I'm going, oh, I remember when uh, Saul does this one. I remember when David does this one. I remember when they this happened. You know what I mean? So or, yeah, like even... When Israel starts doing this because a king will do this. Right, or, I mean, <laughs> even like before, like he's dealing with a lot of this is the sins of the forefathers. Right. Like Ab- Abraham and all, like and Hagar and yeah you're right uh good connection like Jacob and his two wives and like he's just like re reframing like Noah and Ham like he's reframing the minds of everyone going like I know your forefathers engaged in this stuff but let me just make sure you understand that that was wrong and that's not condoned like just because they did it doesn't mean and and still I blessed them and took care of them doesn't mean that's things that we do or define us so God has chosen and provided for us. And then he says, look, here's the terms of marriage with me. It's mm-hmm. really easy. It's loving. I'll provide everything for you. Don't do this. And so then he says, if you do fall and in, into sexual immorality and uh, these types of things, you will be cut off. It, goes, it lists, goes into great detail about you'll being cut off. But essentially, you're choosing to divorce the God of the universe and his people. I do want to point out that like when you're reading in 20... Mm-hmm. Um, the punishments for sexual immorality, that these are consensual 
acts. Like this wasn't yeah. like, because a lot of times you just think of it as like, um, like oh, it was forced or raped or something like that, and the woman's just getting lumped in. Right. It's no. These were like consensual acts, like from out of just sin or trying to manipulate some other god. They were trying to get solve their own issues and God's like this is not how we're doing this this is destructive and you are going to be removed like the mold from the houses because yes. this is a disease this is a creeping sickness that will infect everything because the people of God have already been chosen they've already been separated they've mm-hmm. already been declared holy you can't live like it's up to you to solve your own problems like mm-hmm. that's the basis of this relationship right and so if you're going to live continue to live like you have to solve your own problems you don't get it you're not you're rejecting this relationship mm-hmm. so i'm going to let you have what you want you're now cut off from us and able to mm-hmm. provide and answer your own questions that's why the law is a guide to the ones those of us who are loved by we're loved by god mm-hmm. all right and then yeah mm-hmm. and then this is at the end of 20 is actually where he gets to the part you, that you kept wanting to reference is the clean and unclean. Um, but yeah, it's again, God's just very clearly defining like, this is who you are and this is who you're not. We're separate. So we're going to be this because this is who I've called you to be. And this doesn't make me love you or anything like this. It's just, you're part of my children now. Like you're part of the community now. And this is how we live to be as this community. And I think all the separation stuff is like object lessons to say, look, we're separate. You yeah. separate these things. And they probably had practical reasons too, which were great. Yeah. All right. Let's go to uh, the New Testament. What do you say? My New Testament reading is Mark chapter 14, verse 17 through 72. All right. We are right there. 14, verse 17. Yeah, we are getting close to the end of Mark here. Um, Where do we start? Oh, right in the middle of an idea. Remember, it was um, the Passover just happened. We're in the middle of Passover. That's where we find ourselves. Yes, that's where we are. Yeah, because I had to stop myself. Yep. And they are reclining at the table eating. And Jesus says, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And they all are going, is it me? Oh, no. You know, they're trying yeah. to figure out what is going on. They're kind of freaking out. Yeah. Because oh, I... It's probably me. I you imagine know. at this moment, things are pretty tense. Yeah. Because they're getting some serious heat from the leaders, the religious leaders. They're trying to play it cool because uh, Pilate's in town. Jesus is not being secretive anymore. He's not saying, don't tell anyone about what's going on. He's being very bold, being very out there. Tensions are high. And so when he says this, they're probably all kind of feeling the burn a little bit, going, oh. I have kind of been thinking about, what would it look like if I didn't do this anymore? What if I bailed right now? Well, then that's when Jesus takes... (laughs) He says, look, I know it it's, would have been better for you not to have been born. One of you is going to betray me. Like, one of you has mm-hmm. already followed through with that thought to quit yes. and to betray me. And so, uh, but then, in the midst of that, Jesus sets apart the Lord's Supper. Yes. Which, in light of Leviticus, 
becomes such an obvious thing to do. Right. Jesus is saying to them, I'm going to... Well, he literally says, this is the command of Jesus Christ to his disciples. Take, this is my body. Mm-hmm. Take, this is... So he takes the unleavened bread and he goes, my body is now without the, the bread that is without leaven, without sin that is being broken for you. This yeah. is my body. And then yes. he takes the cup and he says, this is my last will and testament which is established by my blood. So like you get the you get the inheritance when someone dies mm-hmm. and they've put you in the will. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus in the Lord's Supper is saying, my blood is the covenant which is poured out for many. So I've put many in my last will and testament and it is being enacted by my blood. This is my blood. And so the blood now of my body will be the sacrifice that is sprinkled on the mercy seat of God for your forgiveness now and forever. Right. One act of sacrifice because I, because I will rise up again. And that's what he says by the end of it. Because I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So if you think about it, my body's being broken. My blood is being shed. You're going to get my inheritance. And then I'll drink again with you one day. Right. So he's declaring resurrection there too. And then he's saying, this is how you all engage the Passover now. Not in the temple, not with a sacrifice you bring, but you transfer your sins to Jesus Christ anywhere you want. And so I've been connecting to why Jesus takes the Passover of all the religious festivals and and redoes it, reinstitutes it. Because again, the Passover is... Israel's celebration and remembrance of God delivering them from an oppressive power. Right. And so Jesus is saying, I'm delivering you from an oppressive power, which is death and sin and Satan. That is the foreign oppressive government that I'm going to deliver you from. Right. Which is behind every uh, oppressive, like Egypt or Rome, they're all just puppets for that kingdom. Yes. And that is the kingdom that I am overthrown. Death itself. And then what's really cool is it's we receive it spiritually by faith, but also there's something physical we do. Yeah. We believe this is the body and blood of Christ and we take it orally. Yeah, we eat and it. So we and eat drink it. it. And it's like, again, the character of the earth working its way in, like physicality is important to God. Mm-hmm. That there's not spiritual or sacred and and uh, secular, you know, this split between mm-hmm. physical and spiritual. It's like God has always had those together in mm-hmm. his creation. And so that's why we eat, we swallow, and we are truly unified to Christ and to each other as the church. Pretty amazing. Well, then uh, he goes on. Yeah, they sing a hymn, which is always I cool know, to like sing. recognize and connect that like singing in a religious gathering. It's a proper response. It's always been a part of our story. So that's cool. And then he says, the shepherd's going to be struck. The sheep will scatter. Peter says, I'll not leave you. And then Jesus has to break to him. Look, man, things are going to get so crazy right now that you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows twice. And so then as uh, then they move on to Gethsemane. Yep. Jesus asking them, like, I need you guys to pray for me. Yeah. My soul is sorrowful, even to death. Please watch and pray. And uh, then he goes, and this is where you see kind of the humanity of Christ saying, Dad, Daddy, I know things are possible. All things are possible for you. Yeah. Can you take this? This is too much. 
but not my will, your will be done. So it's okay for us to come to God and go, this is more than I can bear. Would you help me? But uh, not my will, your will be done. Not that we are Christ, right? but it's nice to see the Son of God struggle because we are free to say, this is beyond what I can bear. Yeah. Because until you believe that, you're never going to let God be God. Mm-hmm. And so then he, he has to deal with the disappointment of our temptation to sleep and just our spiritual sleepiness. In a moment of, like, I need your Biggest help. moment in the history of the universe. Yeah. Like, and we would, and, and not Peter, I'm saying you and me, we yeah. fall asleep. We're like, I don't really know what to do. I'm really tired. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And he says the uh, flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right. What a disappointment. Yeah. And so then you got Jesus suffering versus our sleeping. And again, I think Peter is telling Mark, and Mark is recognizing the disciples. This is right in between Old Testament, New Testament stuff. And the transition is very, I see men walking as trees. Like they cannot quite get it, which I understand. I don't even blame them anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see clearly through Christ and still don't get it. Right. Um, and so this then it turns into the betrayal and arrest of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I just like the idea of Jesus even then challenges. They show up at night. They show up with swords and clubs. They have it all worked out. Judas will kiss him, yeah. call him rabbi. And Jesus kind of immediately just goes, really? You guys are so proud of your, like, you couldn't have got me in the temple. You're still, you're using your authority right now, but you have no authority because you're scared there'd be a riot. Yeah. If you did it during the day in the open in the temple, because I've been doing this with you. Right. I've been with you. Yeah, I've been this with you. This entire week. And you come at me as a robber? Yeah. Okay. And then the only new text, you get this uh, verse 51, chapter 14, verse 51 and 52. Yes. I always love this verse. Yeah. This is the only reference to this event. But Mark drops, oh, and there was a young man who followed him and had nothing but a linen cloth about his body. So it's like the undergarment that you right. would wear underneath your cloak and so he's like and they seized him but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked and so and that's it and that's it but the the thought among many scholars is mark is referencing himself right this is a moment where mark kind of gets vulnerable yeah and it was like oh yeah and i was there because peter is probably talking to him and being vulnerable yes and then mark's I, my imagination is Mark going, hey, Peter, don't beat yourself up. You've been forgiven, but I also, you know, ran away naked that night. That was a scary night. Right. Because before the council, so really the rest of this chapter is, for me, contrasting Jesus' response and Peter's response. Mm -hmm. So you have Jesus who's standing up before the council, the chief priest, and they took him to the high priest's house or something. Yeah, it's the house. It's the middle of the night. They gather the Sanhedrin, which is like... A pseudo, like, it wasn't, like, a real governing power, but it was, like, kind of, like, all right, the elders of the community will get together, and they will make decisions, but it's things that have already been decided, yeah, pre-decided, and so they're, like, doing that at night in secret. They, whenever this group gets together, they've already made up their mind. They're trying to fill out the paperwork yes. to justify their decisions, make sure it's above board. They've already made their up their mind that we're going to kill Jesus, but here's going to be a pseudo court to kind of 
right. do it. People, when the rest of the world wakes up, they'll think it's legit because we've met and done this yes. and we'll have our ducks in a row. But the Sanhedrin, I believe, is 70 elders. That even goes back to Jethro, uh, Moses' father-in-law. Yeah, it, it has some like, connections. That's where it like, came that's what it came out of. Yeah. yeah, so this is like a long-standing authoritative... But recognize in the middle of the night, it's just people who are already clued in. They've been planning to kill Jesus. So the only people yes. who are there at this fake kangaroo court, as I mentioned last in Matthew, is uh, are the people who are connected politically and want to see Jesus killed. Yes. And so they can't find anything on him and because everybody's lying about stuff. And so none of their testimonies match up until right. they say, well, we heard him say he was going to destroy the temple raise it up. They misunderstand even his clear, you know, he is the temple. They can't, yeah. they can't understand that. And even that doesn't match up. Right. Until the priest finally says, are you the son of God? And what does he say? Son of the blessed. Son of the blessed. He's too afraid to say God. Yeah, because right. they, they won't say God's name. Um, but yeah, and then Jesus just very clearly, very clearly says, I am he. I know. I am. There's no way you can read any of this story for even a couple pages without realizing Jesus claimed to be the son of God, divine. Yes. yes. Um, so it's the old C.S. Lewis. He's either, Jesus was either a crazy man, he was either a liar, or he was truly the son of God. Right. And um, moments like this, we know he was truly the son of God. Meanwhile, at the same time, Peter, in all his strength, is standing by the fire, and he is pretty much destroyed by a servant girl. Right. So Jesus is standing up against the highest court in Israel. Meanwhile, Peter is being destroyed by the lowest court in Israel, <laughs> a servant girl. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing, well, he can't go much lower. No. Uh, in terms of authority and yeah. power. And she calls him out until eventually he's just like... He runs away. He curses to yeah. try and prove. He's like, I'm going to prove to you guys that I'm not one of his followers and he curses himself it, yeah and then, he invokes a curse on himself here's the rooster crow twice remembers what Jesus says and weeps mm-hmm. yeah well this I think these stories are so great because we will identify more often in a, well almost 100% more with Peter's story of failure than we will with Jesus' story of victory mm-hmm. and I think the point is when we identify and allow ourselves to be honest, that's where we get to trust in the victory of Christ. Mm-hmm. So Christ was standing strong for us. Christ was answering these questions or being silent, being beaten, being betrayed for us. Because they do, they, um, they immediately go to spitting, hitting him, putting a bag over his face and hitting him. Yeah. So knowing, you know, so it can knowing he can't know who's hitting him. Right. And then they mock him, right? Mm-hmm. Prophesy, and and then Peter can't be. He's too scared of the people, which is what's going on, and that's what happens to us. But we know Peter will be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? No. That's the New Testament. So I'm actually going to do Proverbs. Oh, let's hear it. So today, I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 6, 30, verse 30 through 35. Um, it, kind of, it connects to the Leviticus passage about the breakdown of what adultery does to a community. And 
again, they're pairing two things together as analogies, which we often miss. And so he goes, he's comparing adultery to theft. And it's just a very interesting, like, like he says, like, even a community will be gracious to a man who steals, or might be sympathetic to a man who steals yeah. because he's hungry. Uh, but if he's caught, he still has to pay sevenfold. But the but then if you steal from uh, like a, your your neighbor's wife, how much worse it's going to be. So here we go. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse, though you multiply gifts. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.